a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back to Inside Sources. This is Amy Donaldson alongside Steve Handy. If you want to be part of the conversation, please text us at the Utah Community Credit Union line 57500. Uh, we'd love uh, questions, comments, uh, any insights you might have that we don't have. Um, but I am excited about this next segment, which uh, Steve is the expert on, and that is, um, you know, sort of the popularity of locally grown produce. Because right. I go to Farmer's Market every Sunday morning, and I love it. I hate it when summer ends. I hate it when the farmer's markets are closed. Yeah, that's what we're going to talk about. I I, I serve in the legislature and, and on the Natural Resources Committee. And a few years ago, and we have, have all of these things coming about food. And I'd heard about uh, when I was on a trip with something called a local food advisory council. And we kind of borrowed uh, an idea from North Carolina. And we put into the statute in uh, 2017 a five-year commission. And so this commission, we're looking at this whole issue of sustainability, uh, locally grown food. Uh, uh, what are the barriers to production? What are the what are the issues that uh, you know that uh, that we need to, to 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 grow this and sustain this? Mm-hmm. Here's a, here's an interesting st- statistic, Amy. Uh, only two to three percent of the locally of the of the produce, vegetables and produce, and fruits that we we in Utah's that we as Utahns consume is grown locally. Wow. It's a very small percentage, so we're trying mm-hmm. to grow that. Mm-hmm. So we have this food council that's been going for about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And I've got on the line here Jack Wilbur from the, the uh, Department of Agriculture. He's our staffer, but he also is an urban farmer. And so, Jack, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about the issues of, about uh, locally grown food and produce. Are you there? Yep. Hello. Yeah, hello, Jack. Yeah, this is uh, Steve on with Amy Donaldson. And um, so what are we doing with the Local Food Advisory Council? And talk to us about what we're trying to accomplish there. Well, sure. Um, I think the the main thing that uh, we're doing, Representative Handy, is we're trying to increase availability of local food to um, all Utahns if possible, but certainly to uh, underserved populations that have issues with food access um, and also get more food in local food in restaurants, in schools, in grocery stores, and certainly at the farmer's markets, as Amy mentioned during the, during the open. It's just uh, it's something that is a little challenging. As you mentioned, there's not, uh, not that much produce grown in the state compared to the number of people there are and how many mouths there are to feed, but um, we still have some farmers that send produce out of state. So mm-hmm. we want to be able to try to get as much local closely grown, ripe produce in the hands of our local citizens as we can. And that's sort of what this council is all about. Yeah, how many how many, how many uh, farmers markets are there? I don't even think the Department of Ag can keep track of how many there are. I mean, there, are there 100 going in the state, or how many there, is that Yeah, many? they pop up. You know, they, they pop up. There's yeah. smaller ones that pop up from time to time. But, but actually, the, the number we believe is true right now 
from the most recent USDA census is about 48 okay. farmers okay. markets in the state of Utah. And that's, I think that's, um, as a person, I mean, I garden and, you know, I always have way more tomatoes than I can eat. And my neighbor always has too many cucumbers, so we trade. But I, I don't know, like, how do you, how do you help people? What if they don't, if they live in an apartment and they don't have a way to grow their own food or, you know, how do, how do they know when, when and where they can get some of this locally grown food? Yeah, you know, I think that's, um, that is a bit of an issue. We have at the Department of Agriculture, we have what's called the Utah Zone Program. And uh, utahzone.org is the website for that program. And we try really hard on that website to help people know what um, what locally grown uh, produce is available, what farms and farm stands are out there, where the farmers markets are, um, but also what restaurants sell local food and um, what packaged, processed, value-added products there are out there that source local food and use local ingredients. So um, that's one source. Uh, I know that... Uh, um, you know, there are, are newspapers and various things will, will publish lists of farmers markets at the beginning mm-hmm. of the season. But but really, um, I, I believe there's like Buy Local Utah. So there's a few different sources out there. But I think a lot of it is just sort of people having to kind of hunt and peck and figure out where the local is for them. It's not there's not really one go to source that knows where every single local pro- yeah. Yeah. And I do love, I mean, if you, if you, like I shop at Harmon's. Trying all the time to make it better. Yeah. I, I like yeah, I, I shop at Harmon's and they actually will say these are local products. And I love to, I yeah. loved it a few years ago. They, I actually heard an interview with a, a turkey farmer here in Utah who talked about trying to do it organically and, you know, do, be, I guess, evolve his product to what people say they want. Right. But it costs a little bit more. But he was hoping it would be supported here by people who live here in Utah. So I specifically buy those turkeys now because right. I know that guy lives in St. Pete County and is trying to make healthier food for me and my family. So it's a but it, but I guess getting that information is sometimes harder. I don't know if you have any. I mean, if there could be one website or I don't know. It's a that is a challenge. That, that is, and, and in fact, Amy, that is one of the exactly the issues on the food, food advisory council that we've been exploring. Um, because we know that people want to buy local. Uh, Jack, I want to talk about real quickly about what we've done with uh, the double up on food bucks. Food bucks. So uh, individuals who qualify for, for, for SNAP, or it's also you know, referred to as food stamps, uh, we, put, we got an appropriation so that individuals can eat, uh, can eat healthier and they can buy locally. And so we've given them a, there's a coupon that they can get that they can take their, their uh, food stamp, their SNAP, certificate, whatever it is, to a farmer's market, and they can qualify for this additional bonus that, ena- that enables them to, to buy uh, locally grown produce and, and uh, uh, fruits. So. Is there a way that people could donate their produce, like if you have excess produce, if you have more that you yeah, do think, in your garden? Yeah, I think there are things like that. There, there are uh, at but, least yeah. a couple of um, nonprofit organizations I know in the Salt Lake Valley, yeah. at least, that... Um, do like a garden share thing where they will go pick up people's excess produce and get need it. Um, yeah. Well, 
But tell us about Double Up Food Box. Tell us about Double Up Food Box and the success that we're seeing. It's ministered through the Department of Health. So I think one of the big things about the Double Up Food Box uh, uh, program is that, as as you mentioned, Representative Handy, if you go to the farmer's market right now with your um, SNAP benefit card, and let's say you wanted to spend up to $20 um, and you, you charge that against your card, they would give you your, your $20 in the regular tokens that could be spent on produce but okay. could also be spent on meat and milks and dairy items and uh, there's a bunch of different things it could be spent on but then they would give you an additional twenty dollars that's only to be spent on produce so if you wanted to spend all forty dollars that you now had on produce you could or you could spend the twenty of these double up food bucks on produce and then the other twenty on other um, items that are are allowed and what it you know it does is it basically up to that twenty dollar limit per person per farmer's market day, it does allow people to really stretch their budgets. And, you know, we're talking about folks who have um, definitely need that help with their food budgets. And so uh, it's a really great program that the legislature funded. And at least um, 20 or 25 of the of the farmers markets throughout the state accept Accept the SNAP benefits. And if they accept the SNAP benefits, then they are I believe also signed up for the Double Up Food Bucks program, and they'll they'll accept that program as well. And this helps local farmers. In fact, we have one of our members of our food council, Jordan Riley, on the phone. Are you there, Jordan? Yes, I am. You hear me okay? Yeah, we can hear you okay, Jordan. So tell us about what you what you what you do in your operation and uh, how it's been going this this harvest season. Uh, Mostly, I'm primarily peaches. I uh, own. Let's see, that would make 5% of what I run, uh, at least um, a lot of orchard ground, and uh, buy, you know, grow it all and sell it all ourselves. We don't have any other intermediary or brokers. And you, and you, you, can, sell, you can sell everything you can grow, can't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, for being, for, for our population base along the Wasatch Front, you know, we, we do have good demand for it. Um, we should theoretically have even a lot more, considering the percentage to growers and food produced to the number of population in Utah. Well, thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. I think this has been um, something I probably would love to revisit in a little bit more depth about yeah, where a, and how. This is a long and subject. We maybe can talk about. maybe listeners even have some suggestions oh, yeah. if they're like me out there trying to find this uh, produce and. Yeah. Um, but thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Uh, you are listening to Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. 
That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.